welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. And while Landel's doing that, would you open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3? And we're going to talk about the Lord for a few minutes. Is that okay? Spend some time talking about Jesus and thinking about Jesus and listening to the voice of the Lord and see what he has to say for us. Thank you, kind sir. Good job. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we're going. So we're going to start off at. And um, I've, got, I've got some thoughts that have been rolling around my heart and my spirit for the last couple of weeks. I told you today that Pastor Jenny was going to preach, but, but plans changed. And I've got something that I want to talk about this morning. And she's going to speak next week. <laughs> but as we move forward towards Pentecost, which is next Sunday, and, and Pentecost is the day when the Holy Spirit was poured out after Jesus went to heaven. He said, go to the upper room and go pray and wait and um, wait for my spirit. And the day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came down and touched those people. And when the church was born, the Spirit of God began to move. And, and as I've been thinking about that, I've been thinking a lot about the presence of God. And today I want to talk to you and I want to call my message, One Life. Look at somebody beside you and say, One Life. Now, you're probably saying, oh, I know exactly what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about how we, we've got one life to live here on earth. And what are we going to do in that time that we have one life? Well, guess what? You're 100% wrong. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about one life as opposed to two lives. And as, as I've been thinking about the presence of God in our life, I've really been looking at some different scriptures and different verses and been thinking about the importance of the presence of God in our life. And I want to talk about having one life because a lot of believers live two lives. A lot of believers... Um, are one way right here, right now in church, and then a completely different person when they drive out of the parking lot. And I want to tell you today, right off the bat, that we were not created to be in a relationship like that. That's not the kind of relationship that God desires to have with us. He desires His presence to be in every area of our life. One life. We're called to live one life in the presence of God, taking that presence everywhere you go. So before I get too far in this, I want to pray together and we'll jump into the scripture. So Father, we thank you for this morning, for this time to come and to gather in your name, to be in your presence, to hear your words that always bring life that are always transformational if we open our ears up. So God, I ask right now that you open our ears, that you open our eyes, that you open our hearts to receive what it is you're saying for us today, that we leave this place transformed and changed, that we're not the same people as we drive away as we were when we showed up this morning. 
God, may you do all that you desire to do in us and through us. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We want to hear you speak today. In Jesus' name, we all said. <laughs> that, that almost sounded like. One life is what we're talking about. So as I've been thinking about the presence of God, there's a lot of believers live one way right here, right now, and live a second life everywhere else they go. They leave Jesus here in church, and then they go to their jobs, or they go hang out with their friends, or they go do whatever it is they do. They go to school, and they leave Jesus behind. But I want to tell you today that you were not created to live a life, that you were not called to a relationship with God where you're a friend for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, and then you reject him or you neglect him or you forget about him for the rest of the week. God desires to be in relationship with you all the time, everywhere you go, in everything you're doing. You know, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ that lives inside of me. I've been crucified with Christ, but I think we have a lot of what I like to call clip-on Christians. Clip on Christians, you know, Jesus was nailed to the cross. His hands and his feet were pierced to that cross and he died up on that cross. But a lot of us are clip on Christians, like clip on earrings, where we, we clip Jesus, we clip ourselves to the cross on Sunday mornings or we clip ourselves to the cross when we're in crisis and we desperately need Jesus to show up and work in our life and we call out to him. But when everything's okay, we, we unclip ourselves from the cross and we walk around a second person with a different life and we leave that person over there. We need to be, like it says in Galatians 2 verse 20, crucified with Christ. And it's no longer Jake that lives, but it's God that lives inside of me. My life is not my own anymore. Ask yourself this as I'm speaking. Have you really crucified yourself with Christ? Have you nailed yourself up on that cross or have you clipped yourself up on that cross so that when you want to get down and go be who it is you want to be, when Jesus ain't around, you can do that. I, I'll put myself up there, but it's a temporary putting on the cross. Or have you nailed yourself to the cross? Proverbs chapter 3 says this in verse 6. It says, in the New Living Translation, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all you do. I love reading the word of God because there are absolute words in there. There's no negotiating your way out of it. I love how it doesn't say seek the will in some of the stuff you do. Seek the will of God sometimes when stuff's really hard and you don't know what to do and you don't know where to go. It says seek his will in all you do. Do you know that word all in the Hebrew? Because this is in the Old Testament. Do you know that word all means all? You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? It means all in everything you do. So not just when you have a major crisis, 
not just when you have health challenges or physical challenges or mental challenges or emotional challenges, not just when you're out of control and beyond yourself, but you need to seek God in all you do. You know, I've been reading this book. Does anybody here know who Brother Lawrence is? Give me a little honk, Brian does. Oh, Brian's over here. I don't know. I don't know. I can't see in the cars. That's Brian. I can see Brian right here. A few of you know who Brother Lawrence Brother Lawrence was a monk in the 1600s um, in Paris, France. And when he was 18, he had an encounter with the Lord that led him to go to be a monk. And his whole goal and his whole um, time in the monastery, his whole purpose was to live in the presence of God. And he's, he's written, there's, there's a book out. And it's a book that another guy went and talked with Brother Lawrence about and then wrote down the things that Brother Lawrence said to him. And Brother Lawrence, his whole goal and his whole life was to live a life that in everything he did, he was in the presence of God. So he was a monk. You're like, well, he was a monk. He lived in a monastery. How hard could it be to be in the presence of God all the time? Well, you know what? Monks are people too, and you're a person, and I'm a person, and we all have things that we have to do. He would, he would get up in the morning, and he had jobs that he had to do. He had to cook in the kitchen. But even when he was cooking in the kitchen, his goal was to be in the kitchen in the presence of God, living one life, not, not Brother Lawrence, the monk over here who spends time praying, and then Brother Lawrence over here who is in the kitchen cooking. His goal was to be in the presence of God all the time. And as believers, you are called to live a life that is in the presence of God all the time. God wants to be with you everywhere you go, everything you do, every conversation you have. God is wanting to be in there. Come on, when you're in a car wreck and something pierces through your windshield and should kill you and take you out the presence of God and God is right there in that moment with you and if you don't know what I'm talking about I'm talking to JJ who just got in a car accident and should not be here God wants to be everywhere with you is what I'm saying to you today so Johnny when you're on the construction site and you're out there hammering and sawing things and your hair's flowing and you're all hot and sweaty. God wants to be right there. Sloan, when you're teaching in school and you've got kids that are acting up and they're crazy and they're having fits, guess what? God wants to be right there in that moment. His presence wants to be. He doesn't want you to be Sloan the teacher and Sloan the Christian. Guess what? Here's the thing. They're the same person. There is no separation between who you are on Sundays and who you are everywhere else. God wants you to be the same all the time. So Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 says, Seek his will in all you do and he will direct the paths of your life. In the New King James it says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your life. And here's what those words mean. Ways is the Hebrew word derek. I'm sure it sounds a whole lot more Hebrew if they would say it, but it's spelled D-E-R-E-K. And it means things that you go through over and over and over again, talking about your days, 
You go through days all the time. So in all your ways is really all your days, all your time, everything you're walking through, it says to acknowledge him. And that word acknowledge is the word yada, Y-A-D-A. And that word yada means this. It means to really know someone, to know them intimately. And the actual word is the kind of knowing that a husband and wife have for each other. You know your husband or your wife intimately better than anybody else does. And so what this verse is really saying when it says, in all your ways acknowledge him, it's really saying, in all your days intimately know the Lord and he will direct the affair of your life. Are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> in all your ways, in all your days, intimately know the Lord. Take him with you everywhere you go. Remember that you're not just a Sunday Christian. That's where that term comes from. Sunday Christian is believers who live two different lives where you're one way right here, right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You got your hands raised. You do the Pentecostal shuffle when the songs are going and you look great and you pay your tithes. And then as soon as you get out of this parking lot, somebody cuts you off. You start cussing them out. Or you say, I'm going to get back to this person. You whip around them. You get in front of them. You slam your brakes on. You show them who's boss. We're not called to be those kind of people. You're called to be people that take the presence of God with you everywhere. You know, if you go to Genesis chapter 2, if you want to know how things are called to look, you can start off in the book of Genesis. Because the book of Genesis, when you're looking at those first few chapters, it's God's original design and God's original plan of how he desired things to work. So let's jump to the book of Genesis real quick, and we're going to look at something together. Genesis chapter 2, and I just want to show you real quick here. Genesis chapter 2, this is the creation account, and it says in verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living purpose. Verse 15 says, Then the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned them, You can freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except for this one tree. If you eat its fruit, you're going to die. Then God said, It's not good for the man to be alone, so I'm going to make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he'd call them, and the man chose a name for each one. Then we go on and see that there's not a helper, a helpmate that's suitable for Adam. So God puts Adam to sleep, makes Eve from Adam, and Adam falls head over heels in love with Eve. She becomes his wife. And then it says... We go through the account where Eve eats the apple. And then in chapter 3, verse 8, it says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. Why am I reading you these verses? Why am I telling you about God creating Adam? Why do we read a verse that talks about how God placed Adam in the garden, gave him a job, and then helped him name all the animals. And then why am I talking about how God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve 
knew that it was the Lord and they heard it and they ran away and hid themselves. Because the first thing I want you to see is that in the original design, in God's original intention and in the way that he wanted things to look is that you see that in Adam's life, God was there working in it with him. God was in the garden. When he said, you're here to tend and to keep this garden, God was there in that garden while Adam was tending and keeping it. And when he was naming animals, God was there with Adam, making the animals, bringing it to Adam and say, what are you going to call this one? What about this guy? What about this thing? What about this one over here? They were together in work, not just together at church, not just together in worship. In every area, you see that God and Adam are together. And then you see in this verse in chapter 3, you see that they, Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. You know what that tells me? It tells me that they knew the sound of God. They knew what he sounded like. You know, I've got a friend that I work out with at the gym, and Sydney teases me about this because you become who you hang out with. But this buddy that I work out with, when he works out, he makes all kinds of noises. And I could be on the other side of the gym, and because I've been working out with him for so long now, I know what he sounds like. I could be on the other side and I could hear these grunts and these phrases and all these things. And I would know that it was him. Because when you spend time with someone, when you like yada, like it said in Proverbs chapter 3, when you become, when you know them, when you've experienced them, then you know what they sound like. And so Adam and Eve had spent time with God and they knew the sound of God walking in in the garden. I'm telling you this because I want to remind you and show you that God's design for you is not to live two separate lives. God's design for you is to know him intimately and that you take him to work with you, that you take him to school with you. It doesn't matter what your job is. You can't say, I can't take God with me because my job is this. How am I supposed to take God with me to the to, to science world? Will you take him with you everywhere you go? Because God wants to be with you everywhere you go. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 says that God said he will never leave you or forsake you. But what about this? Do you leave him and forsake him? Do you forget about God except for when you truly need him, when your life is falling apart? I want to read one more, one more passage of scripture in the book of Exodus here. Exodus chapter 33. And just some background for you. The children of Israel at this point had left Egypt a few months previously. And like in chapter 31, Moses had gone up onto the mountain to meet with God. And he was up there a long time getting the Ten Commandments. And while he was up there, the children of Israel, the Israelites were so, um, you know, they, Moses was gone a long time. This guy was their leader. And like, this guy's been gone too long. And they went to Aaron. And they said, hey, would you make us a God to worship? Because we don't know what's happened to Moses up there. So make us a God. So, so Aaron takes everybody's gold and throws it in the fire. And out comes his golden calf. 
And they begin to worship this golden calf. And, and, and Moses comes down from the mountain. God says, you need to go because things are getting out of control down in the camp. So Moses comes down the mountain, sees the children of Israel, and they're all dancing around and worshiping. The Bible says they've gone back to these pagan rituals and practices. They have forgotten who God was. And, and um, they're, they're just doing all kinds of stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And so Moses gets real mad at them. God's real upset. And Moses goes and talks to God, and, and, and they have this conversation. And in, in chapter 33, um, it starts off, and we're going to read the first few verses and then jump down to verse 12. In verse 1, it says, God says to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I'd give this land to their descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I'm not going to travel among you, for you are stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Man, who wants to hear the Lord say that to them? Nobody. <laughs> And so Moses begins to talk to the Lord. And in verse 12, says, One day Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. You've told me, now he's talking to God. He said, God, you've told me that I know you by name and I look favorably on you. And if this is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember that this nation is your very own people. Verse 14, Moses, the Lord replies to, and he says, I'm personally going to go with you. I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses says this. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. What I want to say to you out of this, in the, in the New King James, it says, if your presence doesn't come with us, we won't go. What I want to say to you out of this verse right here, is see, Moses was saying to God, don't make me go. If you're not going to come with me, if your presence isn't going to come with me, if who you are is not going to be where I'm going to be, don't make me go. What I want to say to you right now, see, it wasn't, it wasn't God saying that to Moses. It was Moses crying out to God saying, I don't want to leave if you're not going to come with me. So what I want to say to you right now is this, don't separate yourself from the presence of God. Galatians 2.20, again, I have been crucified with Christ. If you really have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you who lives, but Christ inside of you that is living, don't separate yourself from the presence of God. Remember that everywhere you go, and everything you do, and every place that you put your feet, and every time you open your mouth, and every action that you take, the presence of God is there with you. Constantly remind yourself that God God's presence is going with you. Begin to change how you think about things, remembering that God is with you. Before you say those hateful things when somebody has hurt you and you want to lash out in anger, remind yourself that God is there with you. 
Moses said, if your presence isn't going to come with me, I don't want to go. Don't make me leave. Don't make me leave your presence is what he was saying. And the last thing I want to show you this, and it's really important. He says, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't come with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. Your presence among us separates us from all the other people on the earth. What I want to remind you of is that it's God's presence that makes you different from everybody else you encounter. The presence of God separates you from those that you're dealing with when you go to work. It's not the greatness of you that is going to lead people to Jesus. I'm sorry. You may be the most awesome person on the entire planet. Everybody may agree there is nobody better than Brian Gervais. Brian Gervais is the best person we all agree in humanity. There's no one greater than Brian. But even if that was true, even if that was one billion percent accurate, guess what? The goodness of Brian Gervais would not lead people to repentance. Guess what? The presence of Brian Gervais would not separate him from other people. It's the presence of God that separates you from other people. <laughs> don't make me leave your presence. God, don't make me leave your presence because it's your presence that sets us apart. It's your presence that people realize there's something different about Alicia. There's something different about her. I don't know what it is, but I want to be around her. I got to find out what's going on in Alicia's life. I got to find out what's happening inside of Alicia. I got to find out that while when I'm around Alicia, I want to be a better person. I got to find out when why I'm around Alicia, there's something inside of me that is convicted and I'm not sure what's happening, but I just want to be better and I want to know more and I want to do right. What is that? It's the presence of God that separates us. You know, the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples was what? We call it the Great Commission. And he told us to go into all the world to make disciples of all the nations. And these signs will accompany and follow those who believe in his name. They'll cast out demons. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But that's not going to happen if you're not walking in the presence of God. Did you hear what I said? The Great Commission, the last thing Jesus told us, listen, the purpose and the reason that you are here today as a believer, you are called to go into all the world, but you've got to do that with the presence of God because the presence of Jake just ain't going to cut. I may be great, but I'm not that great. You got one life. Not one life to live. I mean, that's true. You've got one life to live. We could do a whole message talking about you only got one chance and what are you going to do here? But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about how you should have one life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about how the old you is dead and gone. A new creation is what you are. And so many times 
So many times we try and keep that old man that was buried and dead, the one we gave over to Jesus and said, I don't want to be this person. Come into my life. I'm crucifying myself with you. So many times a lot of us carry that dead corpse around just kind of hoping to try and be that guy one more time. This guy had some fun. This guy saw some things. This guy was a crazy man. We kind of drag him around. So there's two of us, the old man and the new man. But when, second, or when, when Galatians talks about being crucified with Christ, it's talking about that guy's dead and gone. Amen. And he's stuck up on that cross. He's not clipped to the cross. He's not temporarily up there on the cross so you can unclip him and drag him around with you. When it talks about being crucified, you're putting him up on that cross and he's there for good. And like Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want to go. If you're not in my life everywhere I'm at, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go to places where your presence isn't at. And here's a thought. You've got to begin to practice living in the presence of God. This Brother Lawrence guy talked about how for the first 10 years that he was in this monastery, it took him 10 years to get to the place where he was uh, uh, constantly aware of the presence of God because he would spend the first 10 years and his mind kept drifting and drifting and drifting. But he said after that first 10 years, he got to a place where it was harder for him not to be aware of the presence of God in his life than it was those previous 10 years of being aware or not being aware. You've got to practice the presence of God in your life. And to have the practice and to have the presence of God in your life means that you've got to leave some other things behind. Do you hear me? You've got to put some things down. You've got to put some of the things of the old man away. You say, I'm dragging this guy around. You can't keep dragging this guy around with you anymore. You can't keep taking this guy with you everywhere you go. At some point, you've got to say, I want God's presence in my life more than I want to carry this sad old dude around with me. This guy's just not cutting it, and I'm getting tired of dragging him around. At some point, you've got to leave him behind and say the presence of God is more important to me in my life than all these old things that I've died and left behind. I have been crucified with Christ. I want to pray for us today. And I want to pray that, that we begin to become more and more aware of the presence of God in our life. See, we're moving up to Pentecost, which is next Sunday. And I don't know what would have happened if those disciples who became the apostles were not keenly aware and seeking the presence of God in their life. So I want to pray that we begin to become acutely aware of God's presence in our life that he begins to remind us, that he begins to show us, and that we begin to tune our ears and begin to say things like, God, if your presence isn't going with me, then I don't want to go. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in that place. I only want to be with you. I only want to be in your presence because your presence is what separates us 
from everybody else. And God, I want to do the things that you've called me to do. And I want to go into all the world like you've called me. I want to make disciples when I go to my job, when I'm waiting tables, when I'm working at the golf course, when I'm putting in wires inside of cow barns, chicken barns, when I'm being an RCMP officer, when I'm at school, when I'm walking my dog, when I'm building houses, when I'm teaching basketball, when I'm teaching little kids how to dance and they just won't shut up no matter what I say. When I'm making deliveries all across the lower mainland and I'm sitting in my car in traffic and I'm dealing with angry customers, when I'm selling things at auctions, when I'm fixing generators, lugging batteries around, when I'm raising my kids, when I'm teaching students. I want to be aware of the presence of God in my life so that I'm doing it in His power and His strength so that the people around me are experiencing the presence of God in my life. They begin to ask me, what's different about you? It's different about you. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different about you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your life, for your words. And God, today we cry out and we say like Moses said, that we don't want to go anywhere where your presence isn't. God, it's your presence that separates us, that draws people so they are changed and transformed in your presence. God, I pray and I ask right now all across this parking lot, God, I ask that you begin to make us aware of your presence, that you begin, if our ears and our eyes have gone cold and they've grown dim, Father, and we're not seeing you move in our lives, God, I ask you right now to begin to remove those things out of our ears, to begin to remove those things off of our eyes so that we can see you, so that we can see your presence at work, so that we can hear your voice in our life. God, so that we are tangibly touched by your presence, so that we can go and do the things that you've called us to do. Father, I thank you that we aren't Sunday Christians, that we're not people who live two different lives, that we're not Jesus, Jesus on Sunday mornings, and that we're carrying these old guys around the rest of the week. I feel like some of you in this place today need to make a determination to lay down that old man once and for all, that there's things from your past And you just need to say to Jesus right now, if that's you, yeah, I need to crucify that guy once and for all. I need to take those clips down and I need to crucify him. I need to pierce him on that cross so that he stays there once and for all. That guy's not getting off. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are made new. And if that's you, you just need to say to Jesus, 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 I'm leaving that guy there. I'm moving forward in you. Father, we love you. We thank you. Continue to draw us. Continue to lead us. Continue to guide us by your presence. We love you, Jesus. We all said.
Let's, let's sing this song together. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.